We're going to be in Acts chapter 12 in a minute. Go ahead and get there in your Bibles. But I want to read out of Zechariah 10, and it will be on the screen. And uh, we're going to be talking about interceding for revival. Interceding for revival. Now, God is so good that right there at that little moment, that little, that little glimpse of prayer time and, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit was just a picture of what he wants to do. What he wants to do in our lives. He wants, he wants us to live in that river that flows. He wants us to be in that place where God is moving and stirring and touching lives and healing bodies and breaking chains. And we're going to get into that in a second. But that doesn't happen without somebody standing in the gap. It doesn't happen without somebody praying. And I want to talk about prayer this morning. But I want, I want to kind of dangle the carrot out there before you first by looking at Zechariah chapter 10. What we just saw there was what, what we ask for here in verse 1. It says, ask the Lord for rain. Now, we're not talking about, now, how many know there's farmers that need physical rain? But most of us in here are not farmers. And so the Bible here is talking about something spiritual. And, he's, and the rain is, is that presence of the Lord that comes down like a rain, right? When the ground is dry and nothing's growing and that presence of the Lord comes down like a rain. So it says, God says, ask the Lord. He says, ask me for rain. Ask me for rain. How many know he wants to give more than we want to ask? But he has a principle in place that we must ask. And so it says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. So it's already raining. We already know spiritually today in 2018, we're in the last days. How many believe that? We're in the last days. Here we are, I'll tell you this, here we are in the month of December, and we know we have 30 days left, 29 days left of this year. And, this, and how many know this year has flown by, like super fast? And it gets faster every year. And, and it really is true. The older you get, the faster it goes. Amen? I, and so the, the bottom line is we're in J December. This year's about to be over. I know spiritually we're in December. Hello? We're in December. And that new year's coming. That time is coming where Jesus is coming back for his church. Amen? And we've got to pray, we've got to be ready, but how many want to see a revival before he comes back? A real revival, amen? A life-changing, soul-winning, body-healing revival. i got a couple. Maybe by the time this service is over, I'll have some more. But you know what's awesome about revival? It just takes one person. And I'm here already, and I'm ready, so if I can just get someone else to join with me, I want to see a revival of souls saved. I want to see this city changed. I want to see miracles happen. Come on, somebody. I want to see lives changed. I want to see a flow of the Holy Spirit through our church like we've never seen it before. We've seen glimpses. We've seen little bits and pieces. But we have not seen what God wants us to see. And I want, to, I want you to believe for that this morning. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He'll give them showers of rain and grass in the field for everyone. So, so what I'm going to talk about for the rest of the message is that we would have that latter rain. That that latter rain would come on us. And what it means is, is how many know on the day of Pentecost that spirit fell? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started the church. But God says, in your, la your latter days will be better than the first. There's scriptures all throughout the Bible. And so he said, in the last days, in Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so we're in those last days. And we need to pray and intercede for revival. Let's go to John, sorry, Acts chapter 12. And then I'm going to read several verses here. I'm going to kind of stop and go here. And I want to give some quotes this morning. 
that will really challenge you. There's a man named Leonard Ravenhill who was a mighty man of God. He passed away in the 90s. And um, he, he had a mighty move of God in his life in England. He had crusades and miracles and great things happen. And he was a revivalist. I think I feel like I'm a revivalist. I want to, I, ever since I got saved, God has stirred in my heart to see a revival. I, I, I can't be satisfied with just something good. I, I want everything God has for me. I want, I want to see things that are unexplainable. I want to see things that don't make sense, amen. I want to, I want to see something that, that can't, can't be topped. I want to see, and then God say, I'm going to top that. I want to see something powerful happen. I don't want to just be a Christian. I want to be in the, in the midst of what God is doing. That's what a revivalist is. A revivalist can see God moving and be thankful for it, but be happily discontent. Because we're not, we haven't seen everything God wants to do. And this man, Leonard Ravenhill, I'm going to quote some of his quotes because he was a man who would challenge his congregations. And I told you a couple weeks ago that we were, you know, breaking some attendance records and the church was filling up and everything. And I said, I'm not going to start patting you on the back now. I'm going to start continuing to challenge you and to grow in the Lord and to tell other people about the Lord and to become the person that God wants you to be. How many want to be the people God wants you to be this morning? Amen. The families, the marriages, the men, the women. And so let's pick up in John chapter 12, verse 1. Peter was therefore kept in prison. Now here's the text. Here's the key verse. If you're taking notes, if you have a marker, if you have a highlighter, highlight this. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but... How many thank God for the buts in the Bibles? Amen. But constant prayer... Constant prayer was offered up from the church to God for him, sorry, by the church. Listen to this again. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. There's our message. Okay? Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. That's what interceding for revival is. When you stand in the gap in prayer and you go to God as a church, as the body of Christ for somebody. Sometimes that person is you. Sometimes you need the intercession. How many know we can't intercede for somebody else if we don't get it right ourselves? But we have to have that burden to, to stand in the gap for somebody else. Peter is in trouble. If you don't realize how much trouble he's in, read verse 2 with me. It says... And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, uh, sorry, go back, sorry, to verse 2. I'll show you how serious it was. They killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Go back one more verse to verse 1. About that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Has the devil harassed you lately? We don't look for trouble. Listen, I want to make clear of this. We don't look for trouble. We don't, we don't ask for trouble. We don't want trouble. But when you're troubled by the devil, it's a good sign. I mean, you'd be crazy just to say, man, devil, I want you to come after me. That's not what we're doing. But when you're doing right and when you're doing something for God, the devil's going to come after you. Because he's not going to bother if you're not doing anything against the kingdom of God. And so he says he's harassing some from the church. And so serious that they got James and they killed him with a sword. I mean, that's, that's not just being arrested that's serious business. 
That's killing a man for preaching the gospel. So now Peter's in prison, and they don't want Peter to die. And so here we go again. Constant prayer, verse 5, was offered to God for him by the church. Somebody has to stand in the gap. A man, listen, who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. A man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. That means that I have such a relationship with my Lord that I'm not worried about what men and women say or do to me. Because God is my source. God is bigger. And I know him so well that I'm not intimidated by man. How many are with me? Verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. So he is chained, he is in prison, and there are more than two guards holding the door. How many know that's a dire situation? In prison, chained, two guards at the door, at least, says guards, plural. And now behold, how many are ready for a now behold this morning? You know what now behold means? It means the situation is not real good, but God is at the door. Oh, that was better than your amen you just gave me, I'm telling you. It means things aren't looking too good or things haven't been working out right or, or you feel like something good's about to happen and, 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 and right at the door, God is about to open the door, about to knock, about to do something. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side, raised him up saying, arise quickly and watch this, his chains fell off his hands. Amen. How many knows a lot of people need some chains to fall off of their hands? Amen. This may be here this morning. Maybe somebody you know, those chains, maybe, how many remember when the chains fell off your hands? Amen. That's why we lift up our hands because I'm not chained anymore. Amen. I, I don't have to do this. I, if I'm chained, I can't lift my hands. But I, I lift my hands because I'm free. I'm free. Everybody just do that with me real quick. I'm going to get all you ones that never lift your hands. Come on, just, wow, look at that. You can do it. Give yourselves a hand. Amen. You can lift your hands. There's more than one way to skin a cat. When we lift our hands, we're saying, I'm free. Those chains fell off of Peter. In verse 8, the angel said to him, gird yourself, get ready, tie your sandals. And he did. And he said, put on your garment and follow me. Now watch this. This is interesting. Verse 9, he went out and followed him and did not know... What was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. How many, I, I can tell you that I've seen this in my life. Maybe you've seen this. God has done something so miraculous that you really don't believe it. It's like, is this real? God, did you really do that? Did you really, did you really change that situation like that? Did you really do that miracle? How many know God loves to surprise us and amaze us? He's an awesome God. I love that word awesome, by the way. Amen. He's an awesome God. And so he is having this happen, and he thinks he's in a dream. Now, that's a great dream, but you don't want to wake up and find out it's not real. Amen. So he, he's, he thinks he's dreaming. And verse 10 says, when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Did you see that? which opened to them of its own accord. See, God can open doors that nobody else can open. I'm preaching better than you're helping me out, church. I'm telling you, listen, God can open doors that no one else can open. 
You can, be, you can be bound this morning and, and walking in some real troubles, and God can swing a door open, and you're saying, whoa, where'd that come from? And we get surprised. That's what's amazing. We shouldn't be surprised when God does something, something wrong, right, right in our lives. But how many know you can't, you can't live wrong and pray right? You got to live according to the way you're praying. Can I get a better amen there? Lots of people like to call on the Lord sometimes for, for things, but they're not living right. They want God to move, but God says, I'll move when you move. I'll move when you begin to do something. Now, I'm going to stop right here for a second, uh, and we're going to put up 2 Chronicles 7.14, which is a staple message and verse from the Bible about prayer. And here's the beginning, and I said this in the first service, that if should be capital I and capital F. Because everything in our life is hinged on the if. God's promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen. He is more willing to answer, as Smith Wigglesworth said, than we are eager to ask. But if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, amen, and pray and seek my face. There's the if. Somebody say if. Say, if I pray, God will move. Do you believe that? If I pray, God will move. But he didn't just stay at the pray part. He didn't just say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll move. He didn't say that. He said, and pray and seek my face. And then what else did he say? And turn from their wicked ways. That right there is where a lot of people miss it. I need you, God. I need you, God. And God, listen, God's merciful. He's graceful. He, he many times moves on our behalf, and we don't deserve it. But if we really want to see a move of God, we've got to get in God's presence. And we've got to loosen ourselves from things of this world. And we've got to repent of our sins. And we've got to shake some things off of us that are not godly. Can you say amen? And we need to say, Lord, show me what's in my life that shouldn't be there. Show me what's in my life that's hindering my prayer life. Show me what's in my life that's not of you. And get rid of it. And then he says, if you do that. That, I will hear their prayers. I will forgive them of their sins and I will heal their land. Amen. So you can't live wrong and pray right. Listen to this. We're going to go back to Acts 12. Where were we? What verse? You guys got to help me out. This is a this is a total group effort here. So I heard 7 and 11. Somebody thinking about coffee? 7 11. 11, all right, we're going to pick up in 11 in just a second. Right before we do, though, listen to this. I told you I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you this morning. A pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but too few agonizers. We have too many players and payers, but very few prayers. We have many clingers. Sorry, too many singers and not enough clingers. Lots of pastors and few wrestlers. Many fears, not enough tears. Much fashion and little passion. Many interferers and few intercessors. See, a lot of times God's calling us to be an intercessor and we're interfering. Many writers but few fighters. If we fail in prayer, we fail everywhere. If we fail in prayer, we fail everywhere. Thank you for that amen. Can I get a few more amens? Amen. 
When we realize that prayer is what moves God's hand is when we will see God's hand move. We have got to understand that prayer is what moves God's hand along with a lined up life that is repentive and humble. Humility, repentance, and prayer brings the blessing of God. The refreshing of God. The times of God where he, he'll come. He wants to come more than we want him to come, I'm telling you. But here's one of the problems. There are three types of people living in us. Those, listen closely, those who we think we are, the person that other people think we are, and then there's the one that God knows we are. Can I say that again? There's three types of people. One is that person that I think I am. In my own thoughts. Doesn't the Bible say that, 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 that the ways of a righteous man are, are many? And the, or the, sorry, the ways of destruction are many. The righteous don't, don't, don't always find it. He says, he says the path to destruction is pride. Where I think I've got it right. My, I've, I think I'm good. He says, I, there's people who think, know who they think they are. There's others who think, think a certain thing about another person. And then there's God who knows who I am. How many want God to know who you are? And how many want that person that he knows who you are to line up with his word? Because when it lines up with his word, something supernatural and amazing happens. Look at verse 11. Peter had come to, when Peter had come to himself, he finally realized he wasn't in a dream. He says, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and all the expectation of the Jewish people. What was the expectation of the Jewish people? To kill him. He, he, he goes, wow, this, is, this isn't a dream. This is real. Now, this is the best part here. Watch with me, verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary. Hold there and go back to five again. Say this with me. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Okay? Constant prayer offered to God for him, Peter, by the church. Sometimes we wonder, why did that happen? I wasn't praying. You ever had something happen and you knew it wasn't you that was praying, but something good happened? Somebody was praying for you. I'm telling you this morning, I thank God every time I go to the home church or I go to Africa or I go to a church in the Czech Republic or somewhere around the world in our churches, Mexico, and they say, Pastor, we've been praying for you. That's like giving me a million-dollar check. That's like giving me a $100 bill. I love it when people say they're praying for me. There's nothing better you can do than pray for somebody. Amen. I like that they didn't say, hey, pastor, we've been talking about you. You don't want to walk up to someone, hey, pastor, we've been talking about you. I like when they say, hey, pastor, we've been praying for you. There's no better words than that right there. And if you're in this, someone came up to me this week and said, I started getting up early at a certain time to pray, and I've been praying for an hour, and I said, make sure in that hour you mention my name. Pray for me. That's the best thing you can do for somebody. Prayer is it. Interceding for revival. Okay? So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname, verse 12, was Mark. Watch this. Where many were gathered together fellowshipping where many were gathered together eating where many were gathered together talking praying 
There's a time for everything. Everybody who knows me knows I love fellowship. I love this time of year. I love hanging out, and I love food. I love all those things. But praying is what makes the difference. Praying is what changes things. Where somebody says, you know what, I want to see a move of God instead of sitting back and going, man, God's not moving. God, what can I do in prayer? How can I get on my face before God? How can I kneel before God? How can I get alone? Listen, a man who kneels before God will stand before men. Did you catch that? Now, I'm not making a doctrine of this. You can stand, you can walk, you can run, you can lay on your face, you can lay on your back. It's not a posture thing, but there is something about getting down on your knees. I learned that a lot of years ago. Even in, in being a basketball player my whole life, I had a point in my life where my knees were really hurting. And I'd push past that pain, not because God loved me more because I was on my knees, but because I felt the reverence of kneeling down before God in a position of posterity, a position of, of humbleness to God and saying, Lord, I need you. Amen? Amen? A man who kneels before God will stand before men. God will open up doors for you that only he can open up. So he, he, he gets to this place, to this house. Watch this, verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, this is so good, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized, verse 14, Peter's voice. Did I skip a verse? No. When she recognized Peter's voice, I love this. Because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. But she ran off and announced that Peter stood before the gate. She got so excited, she forgot to open the door. But here's what's so awesome about this. I want you to watch this, catch this. This kind of goes back to last Sunday's message where one disciple got it and the other one didn't. See, the, the difference in revival in people's lives is the ones who get it and the ones who don't. Everybody's hearing the same message. We're all reading the same Bible, but some get it and some don't. Some get it sooner, some get it later, some get it never. Hopefully that's not the case in here, amen. But some get it, some don't. This morning, in Jesus' name, every single one of us is going to get this. Amen. But, but here, this girl Rhoda, she, she was at the prayer meeting where they were praying. Remember, constantly praying and offering prayers to God for him by the church. And then the other verse says they were praying together in the church. Praying, praying together. They were doing, so they were having a prayer meeting. And, and by the way, you cannot pray too much. I guarantee you there's not one person that walked in here this morning and said, you know what? It's December 2nd. I have prayed so much this year. I've, I'm past my quota. I'm taking off December. Doubt it. I would probably be willing to say that most of us, if not all of us, are, need to make up a month. Like, we're, you know, like if you had a quota to meet, we'd be real busy in December. Amen. How many know we could, we could miss some meals too, right? Maybe that's, the, maybe that's the answer. I'm not saying that mean. Say, challenge me. Come on, let me hear it. Say, challenge me. Amen. I'm challenging you. We, we, we cannot, you cannot pray too much. I've never met a person that said, man, I'm having so many problems. I'm struggling so bad. I've got to stop praying so much. I've never met a person who said that. I've met a lot of people who've told me all their problems. And I said, have you prayed about that? Oh, no, I haven't. Right? 
Can't pray too much, but you can pray too little. You can pray too little. So I said in our morning service, I, I've been praying for this forever, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to see the day. I'm going to see the day. All the way back to the other building, I'm going to see the day. There's a prayer room on the other side of that reach, teach, send. Yeah. Anybody who knows me as the leader of this church knows how, how, how much I want us to pray, how much I try to get us to pray, how much I tell us we need to get here early to pray, how much we need to be in the spirit when we get on this platform, when we serve, how much we need to pray at home. Pray, 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 pray. I'm waiting for the day that a revival is going to break out over there. And the people that are coming into service are going to be, where is everybody at? And we're going to be over there praying. There's nothing wrong with fellowshipping. There's nothing wrong with talking. But what would happen, somebody if we would come to church and say, I've only got a couple hours right now. I need to get in God's presence with my, because I only get a couple hours a week with my family. Oh, it got quiet in here. The 9 o'clock was better. They were already there. I think they were a little bit ahead of you. They were kind of riding along with the story better. If a few people could get here a little earlier and say, I'm going to get in that prayer room, and I'm going to seek God's face. Somebody said, I didn't know there was a prayer room. Well, there's a prayer room. And, and revival would break out over there, and, and, and someone would walk in over here on this side, and they'd hear a roar coming from the from other side of the building. Say, what is going on over there? And people would be weeping, crying, shouting unto God, seeking God's face, and we'd have church over there. What would happen? What would happen if that little presence of the Lord that happened just right there happened over there? That's what I'm praying for, for revival to break out from prayer. A prayer revival. Say Revival. Some, some of us don't know what that is. Revival is when, 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 when the presence of God breaks out in a way that's unexplainable. It's like a fire in California that you can't put out. A wildfire. And no one knows exactly where it started, but it, you do know how it started. It started through prayer. It doesn't start with good preaching. It doesn't start with anointed music. It doesn't start with a great verse or two. It starts with prayer. Revival brings prayer. Prayer brings revival. That's what happens. And so in this verse, this woman is so blown away that she hears Peter's voice that she doesn't open the door. And here's why. Because she was at the prayer meeting praying. She didn't just show up to the prayer meeting to say she showed up. She was at the prayer meeting to pray. Y'all with me? Come on, I'm not, I'm not being mean. I'm just challenging you. She probably came to the prayer meeting where other people were talking and looking at their watch. When are we going to get started? She was over in the corner somewhere saying, God, please don't, please don't let Peter die. God, please get a hold of, of somebody. Do something, Lord. Save Peter. She's over there praying. And, 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 and when Peter came and she knocked, he knocked on the door and he, she heard his voice, she knew that was Peter. And she was not surprised. What would happen if we started praying and believing what we were praying for and expecting what we were praying for to come to pass instead of being surprised? She was not surprised. She didn't go, Peter, is that you? She, she heard Peter's voice and she ran. Look what it says here in verse 15, 14, no, 15. But when they said to her, you are beside yourself. But she kept insisting that it was so. They said, it's his angel. So all the people in the house are praying, but they're not really expecting Peter to get out. Come on, guys. How many times do we pray just to be religious and say, we'll pray? But how many times do we really believe it's going to happen? That's when it happens. When we get past our flesh and our doubt and we say, God, I'm not just praying to pray. I'm praying to believe. 
Now, what Pastor Andrew said at the, at, the, at the prayer time, I'm believing, I'm having faith in God that you're going to do this. And I'm expecting it. That's what faith is, expecting God to do it. Not just hoping, but expecting him to do it. And so all these people are praying, and isn't it funny how we pray for something, and then when it happens, we don't believe it. That, she goes, it's Peter. And they're like, it can't be Peter. And she's like, it is Peter. No, it's not. It's an angel. And she, she had the faith. See, she gets the blessing. Now, they did pray together. But she gets the blessing because she's the one that believed. And it says in verse 16, now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand, shh, keep silent. He declared them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He said, go tell these things to James and the brethren. And he departed and he went to another place. God wants to give us a latter rain. He wants, us to give, he wants to give us a rain in the latter rain. He wants rain to come on rain. He wants blessing to come on blessing. He wants souls to get saved. He wants lives to be changed. He wants your family to come to Jesus. He wants your bodies to be healed. He, he, wants, he wants something supernatural to take place, but he needs us. He needs us. Stand in the gap. I don't have that in, my, in the verses on the screen today, but Ezekiel twenty two thirty 30 says, who will stand in the gap? Who will stand in the gap? And the, and the problem with that verse is, it goes on to say, many of you know it, I found no one. Let that not be the case today. See, if you will just say, I'm not going to wait for nobody else. I'm not waiting for somebody else to do a prayer meeting. I'm not waiting. Oh, how come they never have a prayer meeting at church? Because you haven't started one. Whatever, the, whatever there's a lack in it, you do it. Don't wait for somebody else. But you can do it at home. I want to be strong in God. God, help me be strong. God says, I can't help you be strong if you're not strong enough to turn off the TV. Turn it off sometimes. Shut it off and get alone with God. Be driving down the road and, yeah, you're listening to Christian music, I hope. But even if you're listening to that praise and worship, sometimes turn that, turn that off. Say, Lord, I'm not even going to just, just worship. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen for your voice. Listen to this. Here's some prayers we should pray. Lord, strengthen me where I'm too weak and weaken me where I'm too strong. Strengthen me where I'm too weak and weaken me where I'm too strong. Notice this. I thought this was a really powerful thought. I know nobody in this place, nobody does this. This is for the other churches. Notice we never pray for the people we gossip about. And we never gossip about the people we pray for. So what's the answer? Pray. Pray. Can't do both at the same time. You can't pray for someone and gossip. And you can't gossip about someone and pray for them. It's kind of like a detergent. It just kind of it just kind of works it out. Come on, I said I was going to challenge you. 
do we want to be who God wants us to be? Like I said, I know that wasn't for us anyways. That's for you to tell your friend that went to church somewhere else. Tell them, stop gossiping, pray for them. The last thought is this. No man, no woman, I don't care how intellectual you are, is greater than their prayer life. No one is greater than their prayer life. Meaning it doesn't matter how many words you say, doesn't matter how many times you read the Bible, doesn't matter how much you preach, doesn't matter what doesn't all that doesn't matter if you don't have a prayer life. You've got to have a prayer life. And and I want I, and on that same note of intellectual, how many know you can't say anything that's gonna impress God? Definitely not gonna say anything he hasn't heard. So stop trying to impress him with your words. Many years ago I had a revelation and I stopped trying to sound good. And I just started praying a real prayer to God. And it starts off in the morning when you wake up and say, Lord, thank you for this day. I love you. Thank you for this car, whether it's driving good or not. Thank you for this house I live in, whether it's hot or cold, paid for or not paid for. Thank you for this meal I'm eating, whether it tastes good or not. Thank you. Just that spirit of appreciation and, 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 and thankfulness. And then start, after that, you start building that relationship with the Lord during the day. And you get to where you say, Lord, you know what? I, I, can't, I, can, I can make a difference in prayer. Interceding for revival brings times of refreshing. Acts 3.19, verse 20. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning if you would. It says this, because we're going to pray as a church. Acts 3.19 says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out for what? that times of refreshing would come times of refreshing would come that he may send the Christ appointed for you Jesus Amen you know when we study the Bible we do it to get knowledge and understanding and wisdom and discernment but when we pray we show our hunger for God See, when you're reading the Bible, you're being edified and, and you're growing and, and you're, it's like food, spiritually. But when you're praying, you're showing your earnest desire to be with God. You're saying, Lord, I'm not, how, I mean, when was the last time that you prayed and you didn't ask him for anything? You just spent time with him. You just thanked him. One of the things that we struggle with as human beings, and I want to help you with this and give you, give you an idea. How many have ever gotten on an elliptical, a, a bike, a treadmill, uh, a stair climber. Let me see your hand. Just put them up. You've ever been on any of those machines? If you haven't, I would recommend it. <laughs> Amen. Or at least run or walk. But if you've ever been on one of those machines, you can put your hands down. Something happens when you get on it, you, and, and especially just January 1st. The gyms are full of people. And everybody's going to get in shape. And they get on that bike. And they, they go to that gym that morning. They say, I'm going to get on that bike for an hour. I'm going to lift for an hour. I'm going to swim for an hour. And they get on the bike, which is first. And after three minutes, they're like, I'm done. Because they get tired. Because you hit something. You hit a wall. You start pedaling. Or you start walking. Or you start ellipticing. Or you start stair climbing. And you, that was a weird word, elliptically. And you hit a wall, and all of a sudden your body's like, stop. 
It's the same in prayer. There's a wall that you hit because when you are praying, you have to get past your flesh. And you have to get to the Spirit. That's why we, we believe that the, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we believe in being baptized in the Holy Spirit and having a prayer language. Because once you hit that flesh wall, you can begin to pray in the Spirit. Where, you, where your mind doesn't do anything, where your mind doesn't act, and where your mind doesn't, your mind says, I don't know what else to pray for. It's just like on that bike. You get past that seven minutes, and you hit, you hit a second wind. You can do another ten minutes. And then you get past that, and you can do another ten minutes. And you work your way up to a half an hour, to 40 minutes, to 50 minutes. It's the same in prayer. I'm not saying if you have to pray this amount of time, uh, but I guarantee you this, we don't pray enough. That's the one thing I can be sure about. We don't pray enough. We can pray more. But it built, we got to build up a stamina. We have to build up a stamina that says, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to think right now for the next couple minutes about what i got to do later. I'm not going to think about what i got to do tomorrow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to this altar and I'm going to pray. I'm going to earnestly pray to my God for the people as a church. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes real quick, we're going we're gonna to move, move directions. It's, it's early. It's only 1230. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to finish in just a minute. But as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many all over this place this morning? You're here and you have never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. If you were to pass into eternity today, you're not sure where you'd spend it. Now, I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking if you were raised in church. I'm not asking if you believe in God. I'm asking, have you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Have you confessed him? Have you declared that he died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead? Have you said, Lord, I want to I change my life. I, I want to follow you. If you've never said that, Today's your day. The Bible says today's the acceptable day. Today is the day of, the, of salvation. If you're here and you've never said that prayer, today's your day. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I don't want to go another step forward without praying right now. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. All over this place. I'm not saved. Quickly just put it up and put it right back down. I'm not saved. I don't know where I'd go. God bless you, young man. I don't know where I'd go. Honest hearts. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, this is not an easy road. Walking with God is not easy. It's, it, you, this isn't just to come up and say a prayer and, and everything's going to be great. Jesus went to the cross for us. He paid the ultimate price. He died for you and, and we are saved by grace and all we have to do is accept Him. But once you accept Him, you're going to be having some attacks. You're going to have some things come on your life. You're going to have some struggles. You're going to have an enemy you don't have right now. God will take you through it. God will be by your side. But it's not easy. Jesus said this, the straight path and the narrow path is, is, is na it's narrow. He says it's not easy. He said wide is the road to destruction. That's the road everybody's on this morning. God's speaking to hearts. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. Maybe you're running from God. You knew him at one point in your life, but you're not. You don't know. You don't know. If you, how, what would happen if I stood before God right now? Am I in my sin? Am I living in sin this morning? Am I living in sin? Am I, am, I, am I living with somebody in fornication? Am I in am I adultery? Am I, am I living in sin this morning? If I don't deal with this today, I'm in trouble. Today's the day of salvation.
How many more? That's me. Pray for me, please. Remember me, please. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. I'm going to wait just 30 seconds more. Holy Spirit's moving. Holy Spirit's touching. Holy Spirit's dealing with you. If you're, if you're standing there and you're saying, is he talking to me? And you asked yourself that just now, the answer is yes. He's talking to you. The Bible says in Revelation that he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. He's saying, let me in. He's saying, the life you're living right now is not life. Life with me is abundant. You've got, a, you've got a destroyer that's after you right now. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates you, but Jesus wants to give you life and life more abundantly. How many more? I need Jesus this morning. Five more seconds. God bless you. I need, I need to make it right. I, you, know, you know, some people some people go to church their whole lives and never are born again. You're not saved just by coming into this church this morning. You're not right with God just because you have a Bible in your hand. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. That's why it says we confess with our mouth, but we believe with our heart unto salvation. I'm going to do one more thing. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you raised your hand and you meant that, and you're ready today to make a step in the right direction of serving God for the rest of your life, and you're ready to step out and say, Lord, I'm going to die to myself, and I'm going to die to my flesh, and I'm going to live for you. I have decided to follow you this morning. I accept you and all that you've done for me and all that you require of me. And you mean that. I want you to step out of the seat that you're at to the nearest aisle and come down here and stand with me quickly. Many hands were raised. I'm going to wait just a few seconds. Don't miss out. Don't wait for somebody else to come. Just come. Just come. Just come and stand right here and face me. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need to come. You're not ready to meet God this morning. Come on, church. Let's thank God for people, for God getting a hold of these hearts. Come on. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's the person that I think that I am. There's the, there's the people that think what I am. That's what people see. And then there's the person that God knows I am without Jesus. You know what I am without Jesus? A wretch. All my righteousness, all my goodness, on my best day is filthy rags. I need Jesus. If anybody's in this place this morning and says, you know what, I'm a good person, I'm going to go with that, you're foolish. Don't go with that. You'll never measure up. That's why Jesus came. You'll never measure up to a holy God. God can't even look at sin. That's why Jesus came. So that blood would cover us. And when he looks at us, he sees the blood. The blood that was shed. This morning you're accepting that that blood has covered you. If you're still here and you're not sure if you're covered, tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. I've done my part. I'll stand before God and he'll say, you did your part. But I can't step out for you. I got to preach every message I preach like it's my last. I don't know if I'll preach again. Amen. You never know. Today's the day. Today's the day. Don't play games with God. Don't play games. Don't say, I'll do it later. Don't say, well, maybe I'll find out if it's right or wrong. I've always said this, and it's the true church. People are going to wake up to a hell of a surprise. Yeah. 
when they die right in hell and there's no doors and there's no windows there's no way out and there's no second chance no second chance you remember in 9-11 when you saw the visual of those people jumping out of a hundred story building because it was so hot there's no doors and no windows in hell to jump out of it's not a place made for you and me the only reason we go there is when we reject the son Jesus amen that's what we're saved from this morning we've got to understand what he saved us from that's why we, we've got to have that at the forefront of our minds to realize that's why we're going after the lost because people out there are dying right now thousands of people have died since this service started right here in the area died and gone into eternity without Jesus that's a reason to intercede. That's a reason to pray. It's a reason to get serious and say, God, please, let me intercede for revival. Please. I want everybody in this place to say this with me. Extend your hands and mean it from your heart. Those, those that are here, if you say this from your heart, the Bible says this morning, you're going to be born again. Say, Lord Jesus, I stand before you now knowing that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I have fallen. I have sinned. And I fall short of your glory. And all the wages of my sin are death. But you have a gift for me this morning that is eternal life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you conquered death when you rose from the dead. I believe when you died on that cross that you died for all of my sins all of my mistakes and all of my shortcomings all of my disobedience Jesus thank you this morning I want to be born again in the spirit I ask you to come into my life change me transform me and make me a new creation I accept you this morning and I believe in you this morning as my Lord and Savior. You're the only way, the only truth, and you're the life. No one comes unto the Father except through you, Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. Please, Lord, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I want everybody just to, to do something with me. Just step out of your seat and come to the altar. You guys move forward. There's plenty of room. Everybody come to the altar if you would. I want to pray as a church. I don't do this all the time. Today I got all of you to raise your hands and all of you to come to the altar. It was a good day for me. Just joking. Come on.